A. We are in Sefer Yirmiyahu, Perik Gimel, Pasuk Tes Zion, Bahayar Kisirbu Uprisem Baaretz Bayamim Hahema. And so we were in the second half of the Perik, and the, the first half we learned two very interesting uh, philosophical thrusts that the Navi is taking that we have not seen before. One, if you will recall, we spoke yesterday how that the relationship between the Kaddish Baruch Hu and B'nai Yisrael is most frequently described or metaphorized as a chasen and kala. There was a bris between them, a covenant, which was the, the Kedushin, and that they are literally bride and groom. We know also the halacha, that if the uh, wife is divorced, marries a second person, uh, and then that second person either dies or divorces her, she can never go back to the first husband. She is prohibited to him as, as he is to her. Uh, also as well, if they are married, no divorce, but she is mezana. She commits an act of adultery. Again, he can never take her back. Yemiyo is telling us that the Kaddish Baruch Hu is saying, notwithstanding that this is the halacha, I will take you back. If you do the proper tshuva, I am ready to take you back, notwithstanding your, your behavior, your immoral uh, character. Uh, we learned in the Gemara, in Yuma, that um, tshuva, that sincere tshuva is dorche alotase, nullifies a commandment, a negative commandment. And that's what is happening here. And continues the Navi, the door to tshuva is always open. Anything you've done can be overcome with sincere tshuva. The second point the Navi made, and it's the first time we've really seen that, is that in weighing the relative culpability of the ten tribes and Yehuda, the Kaddish Baruch Hu feels Yehuda is much guiltier than the ten tribes. They are guiltier because they saw what happened to the ten tribes. They saw the punishment, and it didn't change their character a whit. Moreover, they were in Yerushalayim. They had kings who were good kings. They had the Sanhedrin. They had the Beis Hamikdash. And nonetheless, they still succumbed to immorality and Vodazara and Znus. They have to be held more responsible. So now, Yemiyo is talking about a return. A, a kibbutz goliot. All the exiles are being gathered. It is close to, if not the messianic age itself. And so we begin with uh, a strange, interesting concept in Tes Zion. So when you come back, you are pru, it has it reversed here. Uh, Rivia Papiria, Mephoshim say that one is the actual physical children, the other is creating the moral character and the tzidkus of the child. So here it's Tiru Priyasemba Oretz, Bayomim Hahemada Im Hashem, in those days, Lo Yomru Od Arom Bris Hashem. You will not say Arom Bris Hashem. You won't think about it. 
Uh, again, it will not be thought of. Uh, you will not remember it. You will not um, mention it. You will not use it. What are we talking about? That you're not going to need the Aaron Kodesh. You're going to get the Aaron Kodesh. There are many Mephorshim to it. And basically what it is telling us is that you will not need the Aaron Kodesh because for so long you have used the Aaron Kodesh, that Ark of the Covenant, as the sole focus of where the Kodesh Baruch Hu resides. That that is the key, that's the end and the and be all of your religious devotion, that it is a symbol. You are worshiping it as a symbol, but in the Achris Hayomim, in the gathering of exiles, Yerushalayim will be so filled with sanctity. Everything will be sanctified. The Beis Hamikdash, your lives, the city, the provinces, everything, you will not need an Aaron Kodesh. And it's interesting to note that we learn historically that when the second bias was built, there was no Aaron HaKodesh there. It did without it. Um, and so what they're saying on one level is you have put so much stress on the symbolic virtue of the Aaron Kodesh and that's all it was to you, was a symbol. Kodesh Baruch Hu doesn't dwell in the Aaron Kodesh. There, the entire country, the entire B'nai Israel, can be Kodesh in itself. The sanctifying symbols are everywhere. Second, says the Navi, you will not need it because traditionally the Aaron Kodesh went out before you during war. You carried the Aaron HaKodesh. And of course, you ran terrific risks, as we remember in uh, Shmuel. The Plishtim capture the Aaron Kodesh and destroy Shiloh uh, in the process where the Mishkan was. You will not need an army carrying out the Aaron because there will be no war and you will be protected against that. Let me, let me can I be a contrarian again? So when the when B'nai Israel left Egypt, maybe the generation of Jews who most directly saw Hashem's miracles. Shortly after they're in the desert, they, um, and they're, they're receiving mana. Short, short, shortly after they're in the desert, they, they, some of them make a, 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 an idol. Two months. Right, yeah. right. You know, and you know, going back to, to Shlomo, Shlomo and you know, David and Shlomo build the Beit HaMikdash, Everything's going well, and they and he commits. He does a bunch of things, but commits a votazam because his wife is an Egyptian. So one of his wife. So the question is: is that where we, that if the if the generation of Jews who had the most direct connections to Hashem, who ha, who saw the most, right. They, 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 they don't do it, but Yirmiyahu thinks, saying, you're not going to need any of this stuff because, because of what? Messianic age. That's what it's going to be. It's going to all turn around. Uh, and Everyone's and I, going to, everyone is going to now understand what the Jews who went out of Egypt didn't understand and what Shlomo didn't understand? Theoretically, yes. In other words, we'll come in awareness. And we're, we're, by the way, we're going to deal with that. 
very shortly there. So continues on that theme. But Esahi at that time, Yikru Yushalayim Kisei Hashem. Yushalayim will be called the throne of the Kodesh Baruch. We know the Kodesh Baruch's throne is metaphorically Bashamayim. No, it's going to come down. All the nations, and that means all the nations of the world are going to gather L'shem Hashem in the name of God, L'Yerushalayim. They will no longer follow their evil instincts and their evil natures. That's the nature of the Messianic age. Continues the Navi. Judea will come with Israel, meaning the ten tribes. They will come together from the north to the land that I have given as a legacy to your forefathers. Problem here is sort of with geographical logistics. We know that the ten tribes are scattered throughout the world, while at the time Yehuda is as well scattered, but they're not coming from the same direction. And so the Mephorshim have to really scramble here that there are those of the ten tribes who are very close is that they're not completely scattered. They've survived in countries that are in the north. And say the Mephoshim, Sophon has another meaning. Sophon is north, but Sophon is like you say in the Seder, Sophon, hiding. They are hidden closer than you think. And it is a prerequisite that both come together. Um, so my first problem initially was how could I how could I put you amongst other nations? It would you wouldn't survive among other nations, and that's not the way I wanted. So therefore, I took an Eretz Chemda, a beautiful uh, in aesthetic sense, land, Nachala streets for Old Goyim, a beautiful country, and I said, That's where I'm putting you. And then I thought to myself, the Omar Avi Tikku, at this point, you will say, I am your father, Umeacharai lo Soshuvi, but it was not to happen. You didn't follow, you still kept to your ways, you didn't do the chuba. Now back to this metaphor of a husband and a treacherous wife. She has left her leader as a committed znus. So have you committed uh, adultery as it was. Adultery, as we said yesterday, could mean a literal adultery in terms of Gilead Royos. It could mean a metaphorical in terms of Avodah Zorah. So, call Ashwayim Nishma Bechi. On the mountaintops, I hear wailing. What Yermiyo is predicting that somehow B'nai Israel is going to realize the depth of their sinning and their failures. So call us Rayim Nishma Bahitahina Bene Israel, Kihevu Estarkam, Shachafu es Hashem Elohim. They are going to come to the self-realization that they have forgotten their God. Shuvu Banim Shovadim. We had this yesterday. Return, wayward children. Erpemishu Sechem. I will 
cure you. I will heal you from the derech you're on. And now we're imagining B'nai Yisrael answering. We don't know if they answered this, but the prophet is putting words into the mouth of B'nai Yisrael saying, Yes, we realize you are our God. It's very interesting, Banim Shovavim. From there comes a very strong minhag from the word Shovavim. That there's a period of year, of months in the Jewish calendar where it is a specially propitious time to do tshuva and to ask for forgiveness. It's called Shovavim. It stands as an acrostic because those are the sedras you read in those six weeks. Shin for sure is Shmos. Bav is Ba'era. Bez is Bo. Bez is Beshalach. Yud is Yisro. Mem is Mishpatim. In those six weeks, we read those sedras, which are especially promising and encouraging for an individual to do tshuva. So it's called Shovavim, which of course we have taken exactly from this Israel. Now, another key theme that Yahu uses, and that is your obsessive need to make alliances with other nations, to depend on other nations, to try and be like other nations. It is folly from the beginning. It says, Ochein l'sheker. It is a sheker to be on the mountaintops of the world. Ochein b'ashem elokeinu Because it is the Kaddish Baruch that is your salvation. Not Egypt, not Ashur, not Bavel. It is the Kaddish Baruch and yet you persist in this belief that if you make alliances, if you make treaties, if you're like every other nation, <coughs> there is where salvation is. And now you have to realize, and you are beginning to realize, is that this is nonsense. You have devoted centuries of your existence into forging these alliances, trying to be like the other guy, coming to them in your fawning, obsequious, toadying way to get it. Yes. So does that mean that something like the Abraham Accords is not a good idea? That you don't make you don't make alliances with 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 the Arabs that that uh, against. The Iranians, for example. There, there is a day of unfortunately you don't make alliances. Certainly, you didn't make with the Canaanite nations. You don't make it with Egypt. You're not supposed to make a peace treaty. But here you're talking about sort of an abnegation of war. You're not talking about an alliance. And even if you are, there is opposition to that. Yes. You're not supposed to make. Avraham was seriously criticized by the Medrash for he made a treaty with uh, Avimelech of the Plishtim with disastrous effects. So you don't do it. But now what's going to happen is, without sounding too Freudian, that the self-knowledge of what you've done, the folly that you've pursued, the sudden self-awareness is now going to cause self-contempt. Because how Boshes 
the, the humiliation is suddenly dawning on you. That you've done this from the beginning. It's affected your prosperity. It's affected your economy. It's affected, most important of all, your sons and daughters. We are absolutely desolated by our humiliation. It has covered us. Um, like a blanket, we have sinned. Again, we have sinned in this obsessiveness to make treaties with other nations, to seek their help, their self-defense when we should be looking to the Kaddish Baruch to this day. So the Navi concludes at this point that at a certain time, you're going to realize how much folly this was, how you frittered away such valuable time that you could have been true servants of Hashem in trying to curry favor with other nations and seek their support. And therefore now, hopefully you've got this, you're going to see how you have failed so misery, and out of this is going to come an awakening, an awareness of the Kaddish Baruch 8.45 a.m. Monday Ad Khan.